We start with a haiku. CMO Convo, the show for marketing chiefs. Now's time to listen. That's enough poetry. We have marketing leadership to discuss. And there are a few things more pressing on that topic than the short tenure of CMOs. For years, they famously had the shortest tenure in the C-suite. This is bad for marketers and bad for businesses. But our guest, virtual CMO Mark Donegan, is here to share his insights and advice on how to slow or even stop that CMO revolving door. Hi, Mark. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Hey, I am doing very well and uh, happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here, Mark, because it's a it's a conversation that, I mean, I'm going to admit it's a topic that comes up a lot on the show, but it's one that we, does need to be addressed. And that is that short tenure of CMOs and what yes. we can do to actually tackle that. It's a major problem yeah. for brands and the actual marketing practitioners. So really excited to get into the, the weeds of that with you, with you, Mark. But before we do, um, maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a bit about your background and why this topic in particular was one that you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, sure. So I am a, uh, the best way to, to describe me is I'm a, I'm a salesperson turned marketer. <laughs> Obviously, there's a, um, a whole lot more to the story, right? Um, like I think all of us. But no, seriously, I um, started out, uh, actually was um, programming computers when I was 12. So uh, a bit of a geek, and uh, this goes all the way back to some of the early, early, you know, like like Apple, Apple II, <laughs> taught myself basic. And so as a foregone conclusion, I was going to be a computer scientist, right? And, you know, I was going to like write software, um, went off to college and uh, realized that actually I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> so a true story. Um, I uh, was also playing music during the time. So dropped out, didn't finish my computer science degree, went to music school, um, ha had a great time. You know, i never became a rock star, but uh, found out that, oh, wow, it's really tough to make a living as a musician. <laughs> and uh, so uh, all along, though, I had been working, you know, uh, selling at, at, at retail Apple, uh, Apple computers, no surprise, right? Uh, and, and other electronics. Uh, so that then led me down this whole path of, uh, of sales and, you know, eventually uh, grew my career and, you know, was managing large teams and driving revenue. Um, the theme, though, is that along the way, you know, I really... Um, begin to understand. And and it was not like a really a conscious thing because I had not had any, at this stage anyway, any real formal business training. You know, my education in terms of college was computer science and then music. <laughs> so music history, I could tell you a lot about. Uh, but, um, uh, but, you know, there was just something intuitive about how marketing is an amplifier. Uh, to, you know, to sales. And since I was selling and eventually, you know, managing large teams and leading large teams, well, this, of course, is very, very interesting to me. <laughs> oh, wow, there's this, you know, there's this mechanism here called marketing. And um, so, yeah, you know, it, it really, um, through a combination of just, I'd say, doing it myself initially, because like there really weren't marketing resources in some of the companies and some of the roles that I was in. And then eventually when there were dedicated marketing teams and proper marketing functions, um, I found myself more and more spending more time with the marketers and directing them and trying to really understand and giving them my feedback. And, you know, in a number of cases, they were willing to listen <laughs> and incorporate that. And all of a sudden, great things are happening. And I went, wow, you know, this is, this is great. You know, it's strategy. It connects to revenue. This is like, you know, this is really powerful. So, you know, found myself and this of course goes back a number of years, but found myself then in positions where maybe it was marketing and sales. And then it was like strategy touching on, you know, more market development, marketing, leading the marketing team, and maybe a little bit less of the direct, you know, managing, account executives and uh, yeah. And, and so that's, uh, that's where I come from. But I think what's important in this conversation and my whole journey is that I approach, I very much approach things from revenue first. And uh, it's one of the points that's going to come out as we discuss, you know, even the revolving door and just a short tenure uh, is that I um, am always a little bit surprised at how, um, 
I don't want to say how few because I, the, the situation is changing, but still I meet marketing leaders, very impressive backgrounds, incredible education, and they're just never thinking about revenue. And mm-hmm. that's always shocking to me. Definitely. It's got to be, especially in this day and age. Like I can't imagine a, a CMO not talking about that kind of stuff. You would be shocked, Will, you know, and, and like, like the saying goes, um, it's, it, it's not your words, it's what you do. So I'm not suggesting that um, marketing leaders aren't out there talking and giving, uh, dare I even say, lip service to it. But then you look at how they're actually executing um, the marketing motions and you're like, if, if you're st- Still falling back on, we have to have an events program because, well, if we're not, if we're not at this major industry trade show, people are going to think that, you know, we've gone out of business. Oh, wow. There's a problem there. You know, in other words, if that's your justification or if someone questions, hey, you know, just curious, why are we doing this? You know, this thing over here, I know we've done it for years and well, you know, it's really good for our brand. Boy, if, if those words come out, it, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, if efforts are not being linked to revenue, to driving, you know, real business objectives, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging. So is that what is the root and cause of the revolving door and the short tenure? Like, I, I'm not even going to bother looking up like the current average, because it seems like every <laughs> yeah. time I look at it, it gets smaller. It and goes smaller. down, it gets smaller. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, yeah, is is that disconnect? Is it that that lack of revenue focus that's really causing the short tenure? Well, again, you know, the problem in in the way that we're talking is that you know there's generalities, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and and that's always a problem because you know there's obviously a lot of different um, market dynamics based on the industry, based on you know, based on the business model, based on the go-to-market model. So I, I start with that because I would hate for, you know, for your audience or anyone listening, you know, to, um, to uh, assume either rightly or wrongly, like, oh, Mark thinks everything is, mm-hmm. you know, is, it, it is, this is a root cause, but let's just face it. Um, business today, and, you know, I'll rewind slightly. So I spend uh, the most all of my time in technology, working with um, companies that are B2B, um, typically have very long sales cycles. You know, these are, um, these are uh, complex sales. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, you know, if you look at what's happening, even in Silicon Valley, where um, a lot of the, you know, I just think of like just one very extreme example, you know, it was literally within a week or even the same week, or I, I can't recall the exact timing, but Mark Zuckerberg announces you know, his, uh, you know, the quarterly earnings, right? And and I think the particular quarter that um, Facebook originally announced that they were going to do massive layoffs, and I think at, at that round, they've done like two, I believe, mm-hmm. um, but it was like 10,000 people, right? Well, they, 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 they showed a $3 billion profit that quarter. So, so you have to scratch your head, right? Well, wait a second. What? Why are these companies and all these companies in technology, most all, who have made these very significant shifts are, it's not because, well, they're running out of cash, you know, it's not because, and, and so you scratch your head and you say, well, wait a second, you know, what's going on here? Well, what's going on? And just to continue with this, with, with, with Facebook is, is it, is it the, the company by and large had gotten bloated in the middle ranks, and the problem with being in the middle is that y- you you can always justify based on your activity wh- why you have a job, you know, why you're there. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you eliminate me or eliminate this role, like, look at all these things that I'm doing. And, le- and it's legitimate. It's not, you know, made up work, right? It's like, hey, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, Mark's spending 45, sometimes 50 hours a week, and there's a long list of tasks. But when you go to first principles and you say, now, which of those tasks actually contribute to the growth of our business, to our strategic objectives, to, you know, to really moving our company forward? Well, that's when it starts to get sobering. The problem is, is that in a lot of marketing organizations and then for marketing leaders, like there's no shortage of, of activity being done. 
In fact, there's in some cases, we have become incredibly efficient activity machines. And I'm speaking of we, you know, marketing teams, mm -hmm. we're cranking out social media posts at a ever increasing clip, you know, more video, we're figuring out how to repurpose, we're chopping up our podcasts, we're, I mean, it's just like a like, like a content fire hose. And that's great, get an A for effort. But then when the senior executive steps back and says, but how is this strategically driving our business? And I'm not talking about ROI here. I'm not even talking about an ROI. Like, okay, I'm spending, you know, we're allocating, you know, three and a half million dollars, you know, marketing budget, another $2 million for salaries. So I'm spending five and a half million dollars. What am I getting for that? You know, I, I'm not even talking about, I'm just talking about mapping to outcomes. And so the, the, the issue is, is that there's a lot of activity being done in marketing and good activity. And everybody can say, wow, you guys are so efficient. You know, you only have six people and look at all this, you know, this, this stuff coming out. But then at some point, <laughs> the CEO, the board, investors, you know, the rest of the, of the leadership team says, hey, I get it. We've got a hardworking marketing team, but you know what, I'm, you know, why are we missing? You know, why, why are, you know, why are we not really growing our presence in the market? Why are our sellers continuing to have to push a boulder up a hill? Because, you know, there's the, it takes the first three meetings to even educate the buyer as to what we can do, who we are. And even then half of them don't get it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and the sales process, you know, never moves forward. So that's, you know, that's, that's the root of, of really what's going on. And it's the CMO that needs to be the strategist. And it's even the CMO that needs to blow the whistle on this. And look, it's hard, right? Because, you know, none of us wants to, you know, there's a feeling of like, yeah, but I'm kind of saying that my team isn't really performing but they're working so hard. Yes, exactly. They're working hard, but they're not being paid to work hard. They're being paid to produce results. So, you know, I work with companies in a fractional role mm -hmm. and this is, this is every company that I come into, unless they're real early stage and they're just getting started, you know, then there's, <laughs> there's not any activity, but if, if they have marketing motions going, they have a team, however large, however small it is, every company where the chief executive says, Hey, look, we need you to come in and help because, you know, something's not working here. It's, it's just never, is it lack of, of activity? It's a lack of connecting to driving real outcomes. And so therefore, you know, if, 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 if the leader is not driving real outcomes, well, it just stands a reason that, you know, everyone may love that person. They may be just a lovely person, you know, to work with. They, they can usually are incredibly smart. They have, they have all the attributes. They have a track record. Yeah, but we don't understand. They were six years over at this unicorn and they took it from like, you know, like 5 million ARR to, you know, 300 million ARR. But why did they come here and just crash and burn? Mm -hmm. You know, like we don't understand. Well, you know, there was something about the dynamic in that previous environment, you know, um, that, 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 that was driving that outcome. And for whatever reason, they are not mapping in this new company to driving activities and running activities and playbooks and campaigns and all of that. They're going to produce real results. And that's the, at the end of the day, that's what the issue is. Just to, just to add to that point as well there, Mark, I think it's one of those, like one of those things that come up a lot in marketing circles is the idea that, you shouldn't be measured on what you've done previously. Previously, you should be measured on what you're doing right now. Because there are so many different macroeconomic factors that can impact yeah. that kind of success. Like the type of marketing that you were doing five years ago, for example, that's in a very, very different business landscape. That's in a very, very different economic landscape for a lot of places yeah. as well. So expecting them to just use that exact same playbook that worked there and just do it. Mm -hmm now in a modern company with the modern challenges that we're facing mm -hmm. yeah it's just not realistic is it at the end of the day it's not going to be able to really drive what the company needs right now like you're yeah. trying to apply something that worked historically 
<laughs> that isn't necessarily going to work right now. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Will, I think um, um, to, to talk about what you can do practically. So mm -hmm. let's say that, you know, let's say that you're a, you're a new marketing leader, new CMO coming into a company. Um, I, th I, my suggestion is, is that your first 30 days, you know, first 45 days, but it, it can't be 60 and 90 because mm -hmm. let me tell you, there needs to be some hits on the board, you know, it's 60 days. And if there aren't in today's environment, if there aren't, there's already a target on your back. You know, we just, you know, the old like, well, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get to know my team. I'm going to, I really need to settle in. I don't want to be too reactive. Um, yes. All those things are true, you know? So yes, you need to do that, but there's a yes and. And mm -hmm. what I would suggest is the first 30 days, you've got to get out into the field. You have to understand the first thing that I would want to understand is what is the buyer's journey in this industry, in this market that we're selling into? You know, what, in other words, what is the process as ill-defined as it may be? Because now the buyer's journeys are just all over the place, you know, even in the same market and same industry, you know, same verticals, but you can still loosely define like, okay, here's the steps that someone needs to go through to make a decision um, to, to buy a product like ours, you know, buy a solution like ours. I think partially where the disconnect comes from someone who was successful in company A, but then is not successful in company B is either they just failed to realize that the buyer's journeys were different or they just simply, so in other words, they did go out and they just didn't analyze it correctly, you know? Um, so, you know, that could be one reason, but I think most of the time it's just sort of an assumption like, yeah, but you, you know, like, look, I mean, here's why I did it, you know, company X, Y, Z. And, and that was amazing. So I'm going to bring that playbook. And honestly, you know, Will, it's interesting. Some of this is driven as well from the executive team, from even the CEO, because how many CEOs, when they need to go hire somebody, you know, a senior person on the team, give the recruiter a list of companies and say, target these companies. <laughs> I want somebody out of Oh, if you can get somebody from HubSpot, that would be amazing. You know, let's go to, oh, you know, um, let's go to Drift. Oh, if you could pull someone out of Gong, oh, that would be incredible. You know, and they just go down their list, right? Yeah. But the pro, and, and so, so then what happens is, is that there's kind of this expectation, like if we get this person out of XYZ company, I just threw out, and by the way, I threw out random examples, right? They're good examples. But, um, good examples. But, yeah. yeah. But you know, how many, but how, and if there's any recruiters or, you know, they're laughing right now because, you know, it, it, it just it happens every time. So then it's almost like the chief executive is also a little bit to blame here, you know, because there's sort of this. So then here's what happens. So the recruiter goes out, you know, they, they get somebody from one of these companies. They bring them in and the very first thing the CEO, all the interviews about is, oh, we're super excited. We would love for you to bring your playbook from, you know, from Gong and, oh, you know, we've been tracking what, and before that you were adrift. Oh, this will just be amazing. That's what we want you to do, you know? And so the person's like, well, okay, cool. So they come in and they start executing, you know, <laughs> and, and, and some of it, I'm not suggesting that nothing works, you know, but, but. At some point, it's not connecting, you know, to drive the results. And then everybody's scratching their head and cleaning the candidate, you know, like, but wait, you told me like this is and this is what I'm doing. And, you know, and now you're telling me that we're failing. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Definitely, so. yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're if you're in the same industry, even you'll be directly competing against mm. your own yourself and your own playbook mm. as well, which just means yeah. that, yeah, there's just less market share based on the audiences you're targeting yeah. those strategies as well. So yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you need And that's why yeah, go oh, on, sorry, go sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you know, so that's why um I really like the jobs to be done framework as a way to think about building uh so you know maybe this is a a good pivot. Okay, so we we've kind of 
talked over time about you know the problem right yeah, here's the here's and, the segue un- here's the segue yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and unfortunately um probably um a certain percentage of people listening you know can relate but they're like yes 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 we know the problem maybe some have experienced it regretfully um but now you know you know what do you do about it you know so so i started out by saying um as a new marketing leader the very first thing is to get out there and map the buyer's journey you know, just map it. And uh, I think so much of marketing strategy and marketing playbooks are are, are just overcomplicated. They're really overcomplicated. Um, and, you know, some of that's sort of by design because then that makes us or makes the person who's overcomplicating it feel like, see, I'm the only one that can understand <laughs> this. So you need me. And some it's just, I think, look, you know, marketers, we're, um, you know, a lot of us are sort of right brain, left brain, you know, we've got the creative, you know, which gives us all kinds of wild ideas. And then we've got the analytical side and you kind of bring that together and things can get complicated, you know, and, and I'm speaking to myself, by the way. Um, <laughs> but so, so you go out there, you map the buyer's journey, but here's, here's the real, um, uh, you know, the framework that I like to apply. And it's, um, it's a framework that's very well understood and you know just go just google jobs to be done um i actually have a number of articles up on my website in fact if people want to read about this Mm -hmm. um, jobs to be done in in marketing but um here's here's what it is if you're not not familiar with it um basically jobs to be done framework is to look at decisions that someone is making and this framework can be applied to like life. (laughs) It's actually pretty amazing. Um, So here's like, here's like a great example is um, a job to be done. So I walk into a store and uh, into Home Depot and I say, hey, I need to buy a drill. Okay, cool. So they take me over the drill aisle and, you know, there's, I don't know, 25 different models and variations and, you know, and and, yeah, 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 exactly. And there's all kinds of accessories and, you know, you're just kind of standing there going, ah, I just need a drill. <laughs> well, what's the job to be done there? And this is a real simple illustration because literally it's a job, right? Well, the job to be done is, is that, you know, um, I need to put a hole in something. Okay, but do I need to put a hole in something because there's a small screw that needs to attach two pieces of, you know, I don't know, wood? Or, or, or is it that, you know, I just installed a new desk and I, I want my cables not to have to, you know, snake across. And I want to put a hole, you know, and kind of in the, not in the middle of my desk, but so I can run the cables. So they kind of neatly, you know, like, okay. and there's all kinds of other jobs to be done. Right. Well, so the next natural question, you know, by the Home Depot salesperson who's helping would be to say, Hey, what do you, so what are you trying to do? Oh, and then guess what? I described it. They go, all right, here's exactly, this is particular one. Ignore all those others. You don't need it. You know, sure, they're drills. Yes, they spin a hole and you can put a drill bit and whatever. But here's the, so, you know, if people are scratching their head going, well, this sounds like so elementary, so basic. (laughs) But let me tell you, if you net down, if you look at the buyer's journey, and you think at this phase, at this particular phase of the buyer's journey, what is the job to be done by the buyer? What's the job to be done? What are they really, you know, not, oh, there's a committee and they need to develop an RFI, RFP. And so therefore, you know, we, um, you know, you know, that justifies all of our brand exercise because we want them to think of our company when they're sitting down as a group, however small or big that is. And they're coming up with a short list of vendors that they're going to go evaluate or they're going to go talk to. Like, what's the real job to be done? Well, no, the real job to be done might be that, well, there's a very specific set of problems that the industry is facing right now. And so this group is sitting down, not saying we need to go buy this solution, but we need a, a, a answer to, to a problem. Okay. So now I'm a marketer. Well, wouldn't it be far better to be producing content and to be the leader in describing that problem, clearly articulating it, talking about providing education of all the various ways to solve that problem, which would include our approach, you know, our product, our solution, but tackle it from the, wouldn't it be better that I'm educating 
for that particular phase of the buyer's journey so that as this buying committee is out Googling and talking to their peers and doing their research, that they're coming back, all they're coming back on, hey, you know, yeah, you know, so I talked to this person, at this company, here's how they're approaching it. Hey, I did a Google search. I found some interesting articles, but like everybody goes, oh, wow, interesting. You all found that that was a really great you know, white paper, podcast interview, article, you know, because guess what? We understand what the buyer's journey is and the job to be done at each phase. And we're putting out content for that particular phase part of the process. So imminently more powerful then, um, well, we go to trade shows, we sponsor all the banners, we give out pens, we have people walk around the trade show floor with our lo- with logo and a catchy phrase on t-shirts. We, you know, all that. Imminently so a, more powerful. Definitely, right? definitely. So, so it's less about talking about your product, talking about, mm-hmm. well, producing content about your product, but it's about producing content that's aimed at solving those solutions. So to use maybe a very basic one, say, CMO of an email marketing platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to put out content that just says we do email marketing automation. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be putting out content that says we can double your click through rate. We can triple your open rate, that kind of thing. That's the kind of, yeah, there's another level to it though. You know, so you're, 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 you're in the right place, but there's a next level because part of the problem too is, is that everybody is publishing content mm-hmm. that says, how to triple, quadruple, 10x, you know, (laughs) it's like the claims just keep getting bigger, right? Now forget whether they're real or not, but, you know, so everybody's doing that. So, so, so then, you know, it's like, it's like standing in in a crowd of people and you're shouting. The problem is everybody has the same megahorn, you know, Mm -hmm. megaphone as you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so all it is, is just an incredibly loud cacophony of, of noise, you know, yeah. in the market. And let's face it, for many of us, um, that's what our markets look like. It's just, it's the vendors, everybody has the same megaphone and they're just shouting, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you're you're a customer or a potential customer and you're just like, turn it off. You know, it's too, how can I get away from this? It's just, it's too, you can't even comprehend what anybody's saying, you know? Definitely. Um, so, so yeah, but you're going in the right direction. But for example, um, it, it's, it's, it's looking at why, okay, so somebody wants to optimize, you know, their, their, their effectiveness of their email marketing. Now, y- you know, you can say, um, well, hey, use our platform and we know that we have these particular features and these functions and, you know, these are super valuable. And when you use them in the right way, you know, here's what it's going to do for you. And so it's natural to think, yeah, but if we educate people, educate buyers, they're, you know, they're going to look at what they're using and go, oh, wow, we need to buy this. Right. But again, getting back to the noise problem, you're just, they're they're not even going to get your education you know, because it's just too noisy. Mm -hmm. So, so instead what you want to do is you want to connect at the most base level, you know, to what the, um, uh, what the problem is. And, And this is what I like to call the point of view, you know, and this is very popular, not popular. This is a keystone in, um, category design is that, you establish a point of view and a point of view is a, is, you know, really is a statement that says, um, this is where we were, or this is where you are. <laughs> this is where you should be. And here's why that matters. So this is, this is where you are today. Hey, you're seeing your open rates, you know, decline. You're putting in, you know, more energy into your email marketing uh, campaigns, your email marketing programs, and, and you're getting less out. You know, in other words, the efficacy is falling right? Mm-hmm. So this is where you are today. This is where you need to be. Now, the interesting thing is this is where you need to be may have nothing to do with email. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you know, this is mapped to what your solution is, right? But it could be that what you're saying is like, hey, look, yes, we have an email out of, you know, we have, we, we have an email platform, right? But where you need to be is, And then you describe this very plainly. And here's why it matters. In other words, it matters because guess what? You know, these trends 
consumer behavior, you know, and, and these other conditions are such that we can tell you that um, the situation is not going to reverse. We're not going back to 2011, 2012, 2013, the glory days of, you know, of email marketing and all this. We're not going back there. And if you don't change, you're at incredible risk. You know, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds extreme, right? But, and again, it, you know, we can, you can craft a point of view that can be, you know, doomsday or, you know, like there's different strategies, there's different, you know, culture, company, culture of, you know, maybe the industry, the market you're in, et cetera. Um, but that is what to pivot around is a strong point of view. Again, what we're talking about though, Will, requires you understand the buyer's journey and you really understand it. Not you sat down for 45 minutes, you meaning like the, the head of marketing for 45 minutes with your counterpart in sales, the CRO, you know, head of sales. And you said, hey, so, so Will, you know, so, you know, we only got 45 minutes. So tell me real quick, like, so, you know, what does our buying journey look like? No, you've gone out on sales calls. You sat in on sales calls. You have listened. You've listened to gong calls. You, you, you know what the buyers are saying. You own it. This is why marketers who are excelling today often always have a background in sales. I imagine as well we, that kind of activity. They get into the real mindset. Yeah. I, I imagine that activity as well, Mark. It, it, it's not just giving you a deeper understanding of the customer. It's also aligning you more closely with the CRO or your head of sales as mm -hmm. well. Like it's building mm -hmm. that kind of connection, that level of understanding of each other's challenges in a way that's going to make right. it more effective working with them long-term, which is going to be yeah. another big thing that's going to help extend that tenure, ex slow down that revolving door. 100%, you know, and what's super interesting, and you just implied it, but I'll, I'll unpack this a little more explicitly, is that... Um, you sit down with your head of sales, you go out on sales calls, um, you, and again, you were talking about the, you know, a CMO, right? So I'm talking about the head of marketing. Now, by the way, let me make a little asterisk here. <clears throat> All of this can be done by even individual contributors for the most part. Now, so, you know, if, if, you know, if you're in marketing at Oracle or something, you know, with <laughs> 650 marketers or a thousand marketers, like, okay, you know, it's probably a little more difficult, but I really don't know, you know, too many companies where if a individual contributor marketing, a marketing manager, you know, a, a, a content um, marketing manager, you know, a demand gen person, uh, you know, you know, PR, whatever, um, if they approach sales and say, hey, it would really help me in my job, you know, if I could, you know, look, I'll be a fly on the wall. It just pass me gong calls. Um, if there's a, a local sales meeting and if it's not too inappropriate, if I could join you in person, that would be amazing. Like, like for the most part, you're going to get a shocked response. Like what a marketer that actually wants to know what sales does. Wow. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, bring them in. Um, but, but you begin to sit down and you understand and you have empathy and you listen and then you adapt to what that, what that seller is experiencing, what they need. Let me tell you, you now are going to have an advocate for the conversation when the CEO is doing a one-on-one -on -one with the CRO and the CEO kind of casually says, so, um, Hey, you know, I got something else to talk about. You know, what's, what's your opinion of our marketing efforts? And let me tell you, if you think that that question isn't being asked on a somewhat regular basis, oh, wow, <laughs> that's a root of a problem right there for the revolving door. It is not always with an agenda, you know, but, but it's being asked. And if that CRO is like, well, you know, Hey, I, you know, Mark's a great guy. Wow. Super smart. You know, love him. I mean, his team's working really hard. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm I'm not seeing that it's really helping us too much. Boy, that's a bad response. Yeah. <laughs> versus yeah. versus, you know, yeah, yeah, you know it's interesting. You you know, you probably don't know this will, but Mark and I are talking, you know, sometimes we talk every day. Oh, really? Really? What do you guys talk about? Well, you know, mostly, you know, you know Mark's been joining on some sales calls and let me tell you the last one, he actually had a really critical insight that I missed. 
And, and the customer was like, like, you know, I, I don't want to say he closed the deal, but you know what? It, his contribution was really meaningful in that sales meeting. Really? Yeah. And you know, that mark, that new marketing initiative, they, they just started. Well, you know, what's interesting is that actually was like four or five weeks ago, we were just chatting and I threw out this idea. And next thing I know, he's built this, this campaign around it. Now, <laughs> which of those two scenarios is going to work out better? For the marketing and leader, it's definitely, a no like, definitely prefer right? the latter. Yeah, yeah, so, the latter yeah exactly. Better. And you know, look, it's easy. You know, these are kind of uh, hyperboles, and you know, it's easy to be like, okay, yeah, okay, Mark, it's easy to say all this, but you know, look, what this is really about, and kind of bringing the plane to a landing here in this whole <laughs> discussion, is that notice something very critical in this whole conversation we just had. I didn't reference one AI strategy. I didn't use any trick buzzwords. I didn't mention a Marcom platform. I didn't talk about some silver bullet, new, you know, new tactic. <laughs> Set all that aside. Because at the end of the day, um, ChatGPT is not going to help you if you don't understand the buyer's journey. Producing more content using chat GPT is not going to be your savior. In fact, if anything, it's going to bury you faster because it's just going to perpetuate this feeling of like, wow, I mean, I give marketing an A for effort, but I give them about a C or a D in impact. And let me tell you, we're not being paid for effort. I remind the teams that I work with all the time, all the time, we're not being paid for effort. We're being paid for outcomes, for impact. That's what we're being paid for. And so just continuing to perpetrate, you know, like, look, look, look how many blog posts we're putting out. Look at what we're doing. Look, this is amazing. And we're only doing this with a small team. Impressive. It's great when you're among marketers. Everybody will love to hear how you do that. It's not going to help you drive the business in almost every case, always possibly exceptions, but almost every case. No, definitely, Mark. Yeah. And and I think like that kind of process working with sales in that kind of way, you can do that with other departments as well and be able yes, to really have an impact. Yes, product. Like, yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot. I've seen some people talk yeah. about how they um how they themselves and also the the their teams, they work with the the customer support teams uh, on a regular basis. Right. Or, or they spend like a certain amount of time. Like even there was one guy I saw on LinkedIn who said every single marketer who works with me spends two weeks working in customer mm. service. Like before they even mm -hmm. start doing any kind of marketing, mm -hmm. which I'd be quite upset if I'd start the job and then suddenly got told I had to do customer <laughs> service for two weeks. But that's that's beside the point. But like the 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 philosophy behind it still so that still stands. It's that idea of you getting to know your customers in a more direct way. Getting to know, yeah, exactly. And you know what? In like in a SaaS business model, then actually that makes a lot of sense because how do you get close? Especially if it's more of a self serve type mm -hmm. type type sale. Um, how do you get close to a customer? Well, you're not going to call up somebody who's spending $49 a month. You know, that, that's going to be kind of odd. And, you know, um, for a lot of reasons why you probably don't, don't want to do that. But if you're on, um, you know, CS calls, um, customer service, um, well, CS, customer service or customer support, you know, or customer success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, you know, which customer success is, is a little bit different than support. Yeah. But, um, but still, you know, who are you talking to? You're talking to customers and they're giving you insights. And, you know, even if initially it's, you know, what's not working and help, help me and what's going on. But guess what? You have an opportunity to listen. And in that you can say, hey, Will, I'm glad we got your problem you know, your problem solved, you, you know, look, I'm, I'm actually on the marketing team. Would you mind sharing with me really quick? Like, what was the process for you to make a decision? You know, like, like how, you know, I'm just, just curious, just, just give me a couple minutes. And all of a sudden you're laying out your entire decision framework, you know, well, it's, it's interesting, Mark, let's see, you know, I did, and you're describing it. And then the marketers furiously taking notes, you have, you know, half a dozen, a dozen, a couple dozen of those conversations. And let me tell you, you're going to go back to your marketing, you know, job, your primary marketing job, regardless of what it is, you know, where it is on the team with a very different perspective. And people say, but, but that's only, yeah, but how meaningful is it? It's only six, 10, 12, 20 interactions. 
you know what, that's 6, 10, 12, 20, however small that is, represents the vast majority of the market. People are just not, uh, people are not as random as I think we sometimes, you know, treat them as, <laughs> you know. Definitely, definitely. So. And I think even within like that 6, 10 or 12, you can easily spot the outliers. Yes, yes, kind of you, can. Like, you, yeah. you can. You, yeah. you, you can justify, you don't want to be going in with like certain assumptions, but like yeah. obviously you've done some research about what the challenges are facing the industry and stuff before you yeah. start jumping on these calls. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I think as well, like, like you mentioned the self-service model, I think mm. be, having a really deep understanding of the, the buyer journey in that kind of circumstances almost even more important just because of how mm. complex that can be these days, like all the different yeah. channels and stuff that can lead someone to a sale, like yeah. all the different social media apps they could be using, all the different things where they could have seen your initial, initial messaging. And that's yeah. where multi-touch attribution become so mm. important to really get an understanding of like, where are people seeing your messaging? How mm. is it driving you towards the site? And it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily an endorsement for these kinds of like complex technologies that do this, but really mm. getting an understanding of all the different ways a customer can touch mm -hmm. your brand before you mm -hmm. even get to the point of sale. That's an incredible, incredibly valuable point thing for you to do as a CMO. I think at any stage, yeah. like whether yeah. it's in your first 30 days or your first 30 years as a CMO. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, um, you know, questioning even all assumptions. So something that I've been thinking a lot about um, recently and, and, you know, and I'm not unique in this, so I'm not claiming it all to be, you know, kind of a, a trendsetter. Um, but it's the concept of where does Facebook, just as an example, mm -hmm. um, kind of unpack, you know, a little bit of what you were just saying. Where does Facebook in terms of Facebook advertising fit in the B2B buyer's journey? Now, the the interesting thing is, is that uh, the standard conclusion, and it's largely correct, by the way, is that, you know, Facebook's a, you know, it's a social platform for friends and family sharing photos. And look, I totally get, you know, even Facebook now, it's tilting much older and it's not, uh, you know, in certain demographics, it's, mm -hmm. you know, not not the platform of choice, right? Um, but uh, But let's just, you know, without jumping off talking about TikTok and Instagram <laughs> and Snap and, you know, uh, the others. Um, but, you know, Facebook. And so a lot of B2B companies have, um, yeah, maybe they have their company page still on there. And sure, when someone remembers or has an extra five minutes, they throw something up on it. But it's the abandoned, you know, it's the abandoned channel. And and forget running ads on there. And, and the justification is, um, you know, like, look, you know, um, yes, the our audience are on Facebook, but when they're on Facebook, they're there to update with their friends and, you know, whatever, and their family, not, you know, consume business content. Okay. This is all true, but there's a lost opportunity in it. And the last opportunity is this, is that, you know, if you really think about it, there is no B2B. It's H to H. It's human yeah. to human. And, and so I, um, you know, I always have to even challenge my own mindset, you know, when I, when I find myself thinking like, yeah, but that's not, you know, that's not how people think, you know, uh, as a professional. Right. Uh, and I go, but wait a second, when I go to work, I don't switch off my brain. I don't, there's not like a work mode and a personal mode. You know, I don't have to sit down at my desk and push a button and okay, all of a sudden I'm wired for, no, I, I bring, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like the, you know, the same, the same guy that was, you know, just out shopping for a new couch last night, at the furniture store is now the guy, you know, talking to somebody about a piece of software to buy for the business, you know, and, and by and large, some of the decision criteria is even largely the same. It's just what the purpose is. And, you know, we get this right. So here's the challenge and this. So I've been thinking about, and I think again, you know, if, if there's a little tactic or strategy, then this is, this is, this is it in this interview is um, what if we treated Facebook like a guaranteed content distribution channel. Now, what I mean by guaranteed is, is that I'm going to pay for it, right? But because the incredible targeting, what if I put content and I am not talking about direct response ads, you know, I'm not talking about download, get a demo. Those are, those would be ridiculous, right? But again, if I know my buyer's journey, 
And I'm creating content that maps um, and that is relevant for each phase. What if I just paid and with the incredible targeting, you know, of Facebook to just make this content available so that as Mark Donegan is, you know, scrolling through Facebook, um, you know, again, looking at friends and family posts and all the other nonsense that shows up in the feed. But all of a sudden, there's a pattern interrupt. And, and, there's a, and there's something, you know, it could be a white paper, it could be a short video about, you know, somebody talking about something that maybe potentially I'm interested in. Is it really true? This is the challenging, is the challenge. Is it really true? I'm just gonna skip by that and go, wait a sec, I'm not on LinkedIn. No professional content, I'm on Facebook now. Of course not. Now, does it mean that the first time I go, oh wow, I'm so excited. No, I'm probably gonna keep scrolling going, you know, ah, you know, keep looking at updates. But you know what? I get that served to me two or three times. At some point, I'm probably it's it's gonna be triggered, right? Either I'll have time or I'll whatever, and 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 I'll click on it and and I'll watch a little bit, and and all of a sudden now I've created this 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 connection on a channel that's largely abandoned, you know, by 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 B two B sellers mm -hmm. and you know largely abandoned because well nobody's on on Facebook to quote unquote do business. I'm not talking about doing business. I'm just talking about Mark Donegan does not switch off his his brain when when it's 9:30 at night, you know, on a Thursday evening, you know, meaning his business brain. And so I can be scrolling through, looking at updates, looking at updates, you know, 9:30, and you know, kind of need to go to bed at 10. I'm just sort of wasting time trying to fall asleep, which of course it's terrible to be looking at a device for you. <laughs> so so even that right there, there's a problem. But anyway, I am guilty. So, but um. But, you know, and then that pops up and, and all of a sudden I pause and, and, and I take a quick look at it and either make a mental note like, oh, wow, who's that company again? Uh, tomorrow, I, I, I need to look at those guys. Or maybe I forward it on to somebody. Mm -hmm. maybe, I even, maybe I even copy and paste it, you know, so that I can actually go back and reference that, you know, and, you know, at a different time, right? So this is, this is the, you know, where I think really thinking outside the box, really thinking about that buyer's journey, being willing to challenge some of these axioms, you know, like um, B2B buyers are not on Facebook. Um, no, they, they are. In fact, you might be able to get to a CEO, a chief executive easier on Facebook. Now, you're not going to DM with them, no. but that's not the objective. Shouldn't it be at least, you know, in that channel? So more to, uh, more to consider. Definitely. Yeah. And it, but that kind of approach does again, as you said, have require like a really, really deep understanding of the customer in order to know Absolutely. what kind of stuff is yeah. like to make them stop scrolling, yeah. like doom scrolling as the kids call yeah. it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and there's one yeah. other thing about this entire process that I feel like we haven't touched on Mark is not only does understanding and mapping out the buyer journey allow you to know where you need to make an impact as a CMO. It allows you to show other stakeholders where you are making an mm. impact to really justify your position at the end of the mm. day. They, they, you'll be able to show to them like, listen, oh, you thought we shouldn't be on Facebook. Look at all this stuff that's coming from yep. Facebook because we've placed stuff yep. there because we really understood yep. the buyer journey. Yeah. Yeah, and it's those kinds of insights, those kinds of unique insights that are going to justify your position and, and slow down that revolving door. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a, um, there's, there's a very well-known, uh, influencer, um, that uh, actually uh, that's even sort of denigrating to him, um, on LinkedIn. Uh, he owns a, a real fast growing, you know, B2B marketing agency, um, and, and is a real, um, real thought leader, you know, somebody that, uh, many, many marketers respect and his whole thesis for this, uh, for a strategy of, paid being the engine for just guaranteed content distribution came from uh, the way that I've heard him tell the story, you know, in various interviews is he was um, marketing for a medical device company. And, um, and so he, and, and his formal education and training, I think he's an engineer actually, but you know, whatever the story is, you know, found, you know, out of college, went to 
uh, like product marketing and then eventually, you know, just, just marketing. Um, but he went out to emergency rooms in hospitals where they were trying to sell. That was, I guess, the, the, the main market they were selling into. And he said it all clicked when at midnight in the ER, when it happened to be, you know, no one was in the ER. So here you have all these docs and nurses, you know, standing around waiting, you know, unfortunately for someone to come in needing help. Right. And he said, I looked around and I realized what were they all doing? And he said, without exception, they had their phone in their hand and they're scrolling Facebook without exception. And he said, it was just like this huge light bulb moment where I went, wait a second, we're over here, you know, in medical journals and they're not standing, you know, maybe we'd like them to be reading medical <laughs> journals, right? But they're not, they're on Facebook, you know? And again, why? Well, because literally in the next 45 seconds, the doors could burst open and somebody with a serious injury could come running in. You don't want to be in the middle of, you know, a 45 page, you know, medical journal study. You're like, oh, okay. You know, like, so what do you do? You, you know, you're like, you're like scrolling something where you could very easily put that down and, and, you know, and, and, and see, that's the insight though. That's the insight to how the buyer is behaving. And yet how many marketing teams and the way that I've heard him tell the story and I've experienced this a lot is, you know, Oh, um, and, and sales will say this. Oh, Oh, our buyers are not on Facebook. Um, yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Pretty much 99% of them, <laughs> maybe even 100, they're on Facebook. Now, you know, if we're trying to push them, get demo ads, yeah, of course, it's going to fail miserably. You know, I mean, you just, you know, it's not going to be, or, or you're going to get demos, but it's going to be completely unqualified and, you know, it's going to be a waste of time, right? But if you're pushing interesting, uh, meaningful, you know, content through some of those channels, wow, look at what it can do for you, so... It goes back to what you said pretty much at the, the start of the episode, Mark. And it's putting the content, the right content in the right place. Like you can have mm -hmm. all these different forms of content, but some are going to work in some places, some are going to work in other places. And it's up to you as the CMO to get to know your buyers, get to know your, your customers right. and know where those different places are. So yeah. Mark, I think we're going to, I think we have to leave that there because yeah, we covered a lot and I feel like there is a lot of, you've laid down a few gauntlets, I think, for a lot of CMOs. I'm, I'm excited to see a lot, a big explosion of B2B content suddenly appearing on Facebook after that, that challenge you've laid out there, Mark. So thank you very much for joining us today. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Will. It was really a great discussion and happy to be here. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Uh, as, as I said at the top of the episode, like this is a topic that does keep coming up these these short tenures this revolving door so anything that yeah. we can do to help the cmos yeah out there to really absolutely extend absolutely. their time it's going to be valuable so thank you very much and i'm sure our audience appreciates it as well i'm going to thank our audience for joining us we're going to be back soon with some more cmo combos like what you heard from this cmo combo make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was